Well, well, well. Y'all sit on down, get yourselves comfortable. That's enough of that. Jeez Louise, it's been an incredible weekend. Uh, I absolutely love hanging out at the Strong Men's Conference. Uh, I, didn't, I didn't know too much about it. This is my first time really getting a chance to attend. I didn't really know why they named it that until Pastor Maxwell came walking in. And he literally came in in this, in this medium shirt, and he was just, like, bulging out of it. And I just said, brother, you made me want to go ahead and renew my lifetime fitness right now. And get back at it. I have never felt so insecure about my size. I was in the bathroom trying to do some push-ups before I go out there standing beside him like, okay, put your chest down, put your chest down. Let me, let me shine a look. Absolutely incredible. We talked about this idea of living an uncommon life, about what it looks like to truly embrace the idea that God made us uncommon. We serve an uncommon God that truly is telling us that we can do uncommon things. And we talked about the idea that we were made wild and got a chance to share this idea that, hey, you can either walk this wide side of life or you can walk this narrow road that we like to call the wild side. And on this wild side, you begin to do things that you never thought you can do. And as men, we really, really take ownership of this because we understand that we can lead ourselves differently than what's around us. We don't have to be common. We can begin to do things that we never thought we can do because we don't just submit ourselves to what's common. No, we begin to truly embrace the idea of what's uncommon and all that God has in store for us and all that we could become through him. And it was an incredible weekend. Really, really enjoyed talking about that idea. And then yesterday came along and it was really, really special. Flipped on the TV. I don't know if you guys saw it too, but we had the royal wedding. Raise your hand if you saw the royal wedding. Okay, there's a lot of people who watched it and you thought this looks really similar to my wedding or maybe a wedding that I've been to. I'm just joking. Really, really incredible. Here's what's crazy. I was watching the highlights from it because I was kind of busy throughout the day. And when I got back to my room, I'm watching it and I was thinking like, this is cool, but the perfect sermon today would have been if we, we got it. We're in a series called Royal Wedding because I thought, I mean, you think that's a royal wedding, but let me tell you about a real royal wedding that happened a long time ago. Like, I, I got to getting excited about the idea that I'm like, that ain't the best royal wedding I've seen because I've actually seen some a royal wedding that's much greater than that's a whole other message. Uh, maybe you guys can kind of ponder that one yourselves, but I really, really love watching the union of those two beautiful souls over there in the UK. Always love celebrating love. We're like, oh, love is still real, pageantry. All the wonderful things. And then I declared something. I don't want to boast because I'm supposed to only boast in God. But I did declare yesterday when I was at the Strongman's Conference, I was born and raised in Akron, Ohio. So you might already know where I'm about to go. Uh, that is home of LeBron James. And so we're in a, we're in a t right now America feels the tension. The world may feel it, I like to say. But the Cavs were down 0-2 going into yesterday. And they were fighting the evil uh, Boston Celtics. And so uh, we believed as Christians, as men together bonded through Christ, that we could lift a prayer up for my wonderful LeBron James. And that he was going to be able to lead with the power of Jesus and go ahead and take his team all the way uh, to victory. And yesterday, Le oh, put your, put, your, put your little thumbs down, down, brother, because what happened yesterday was something special. LeBron James played like never before, and they won by over 20 points through the power of Jesus. Now, some of you don't like this sermon already. you like, I hate this sermon. I'm ready to leave. I don't know where he comes from. But I have never read anything like that in the Bible. I did not know he helped sports teams. I had to get a men's group together, start praying for mine. Just an uncommon weekend. Like, I just have been so, so excited. And this is an uncommon message. And I say that because, uh, and just, and by the way, my name is Joseph Sojourner. Hello, y'all. I, I, I didn't even say my name. I'm from Atlanta. I got to go in. I got excited because I'm just excited to be here. To we're treating each other like family. And, and it's an uncommon message because when they told me we're talking about the Holy Spirit, I said, oh, you're giving this to a guest communicator. This is okay. Because I got to be real. I mean, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost, that's, that's something that's pretty tense. It's, 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 kind of, it's kind of this like a sensitive topic. And to give it to me, I mean, you don't know what I can say. I might get up here and scare everybody, you know. Get to talking about the Holy Ghost and y'all be like, oh, my goodness. Because it's something that in the church, it's easy for us to talk about God. 
We love talking about the wonderful power of God and all that he did, all that he created, sent his son to get, make the ultimate sacrifice on that cross so that we might have eternal life. But so often the church will kind of skirt around the Holy Spirit, the Holy Ghost. We're like, oh, well, well you know, then, then there's that Holy Spirit. And you'll oftentimes hear it referenced on stage. You'll oftentimes hear it referenced in a sermon. But how often do we really spend time to camp out for multiple weeks when they told me they were spending three weeks to talk about the third man? I said, oh, there's something special happening in Freedom House. Because I truly believe if we begin to wrap our minds around what's right here every day, I mean, yes, there's a God that created everything and a son that sacrificed all so we might have an intimate relationship. But they left us with this Holy Spirit that we can interact with every single day. And all too often we go through life never even paying attention to what we already have in our hands and what's already working in our hearts. And so I said, there is nothing better to spend time on than this topic right here. We're talking about the Holy Spirit and all that it can do in your life. And I'm so excited about this topic because reality is, as I'm walking through communities, as I'm walking through colleges, as I'm walking through businesses, sitting with young all the way to the old, so many people have questions about the Holy Spirit because we all heard about it. Maybe you heard about it since you were young, if you grew up in church. Maybe you're brand new to church and you're like, this is my first time ever sitting in this room, first time ever raising my, my hands during worship. I'm not even sure why we even did that. First time even hearing the term Holy Spirit. I mean, maybe you're brand new, and if you are, we are so glad you're here because you're going to get a chance to hear about something that's ready to work and talk to you. But there's three types of people I constantly bump into along this journey called life, this beautiful adventure that we like to call life. And there's three types of people when it comes to the topic of the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to just walk through these three people. And maybe they're you, maybe they're a friend you know, maybe it's your cousin, your mom, your auntie. I'm not sure what it may be. But the first kind of person I oftentimes bump into when it comes to this topic is this one right here. Someone who has never heard about the Holy Spirit. They just never heard it. Wasn't raised in the church. Maybe I bumped into them when I was in another nation or maybe even another continent. And they, I began talking to them about God. I'm sure they've heard about God. Yes, they've heard about Jesus, but this Holy Spirit thing, they're like, I don't really know anything about it. Never heard about the Holy Spirit. Maybe they're curious about the Holy Spirit because they're like, tell me more about this Holy Spirit. You're saying it's here, present, right now. I'm like, oh, yeah, within reach, waiting for you. First group of people, never heard it. Maybe that's you already. You're like, yeah, I think that might be me. That's the first group. The second group is this. They've heard about the Holy Spirit, but they're skeptical. Maybe you were raised like me. I was raised in an extremely conservative church. And so our perspective of the Holy Spirit, well, we were kind of like hands-on, hands-off. I mean, we were easy to talk about, oh, yeah, God gives us love and God gives us peace and God gives us mercy. But when we got to talking about the other side of the Holy Spirit, we're like, oh, wait a minute. And oftentimes it's easy for us to kind of laugh at all the things that for us felt like they were just beyond our reason. And maybe you kind of grew up or you saw a circumstance or you saw something happen where you hear about the Holy Spirit and you're like, I just can't buy into it. I mean, yeah, I've heard about it. But so, Joe, I'm just skeptical. I'm sitting here in this seat, and right now I'm already a little bit tense because I'm like, where are you going with this? Are you about to tell me I can fly, disappear, be a superhero? Yes. Uh-oh, I'm just playing that. You're skeptical. You're not sure what you think about this Holy Spirit thing. You're cool with God. You're cool with Jesus. But this is a little bit, uh, a little bit weird. Third group, of person, th group, third group of people, just right here, they've heard about it, but they just never experienced it. And maybe that's you in the room. You're listening, I'm not skeptical. I'm not saying I've never heard. Yeah, I've heard about it. I'm not saying I don't believe. I'm just saying I've never experienced it myself. I mean, I would like to experience it maybe. 
I would love to know how to experience it, but I just never have experienced it. So I'm sitting here in the seat and I'm kind of anxious. I'm like, okay, if we're going to talk about this, if we're going to spend this much time on it, then hopefully I can gain something from it because I'd want nothing more than to be able to begin to interact with this Holy Spirit that you're saying is wonderful. I mean, you're saying it's beautiful. You're saying that it actually wants to speak and interact with me. Well, I would love it, but just tell me how. And that's where we fall today. Because so oftentimes we were raised in a church that talked about the Holy Spirit, but never quite was able to stop and take three weeks to talk about how to interact with the Holy Spirit and why we should be so excited to talk about it. And if you look at the, the Christians from way back in the day as the ones who were literally founding the religion, and I always tell people they were different, they were wild, they were excited, they oftentimes were bold about the Holy Spirit. Literally in 280 years, those beginning Christians went from just a few to over two or over 25 million. They exploded. Why? Because they were so bold and they were so anxious to talk about what the Holy Spirit was doing. And even in this, this this beautiful moment in Acts chapter 19 where Paul literally is going into a brand new town and he's talking to new believers and like, hey, guess what, Paul? We're Christ followers. We follow Jesus Christ. We're so excited. He said, cool. And he said, have you guys begun to feel and experience the Holy Spirit? They said, what? I never heard of the Holy Spirit. They were the first group. And we heard about Jesus. We were all about the Jesus thing. We love it. We're following the way, as they called it back then. They're like, oh, we're all in, but we have never heard about this Holy Spirit. Tell us more about it. And Paul becomes frustrated. He said, no, no, no. We got to do this all over again. We got to baptize you. You got to come out that water. You got to experience what the Holy Spirit has to offer. Because Paul said, once you begin to feel what the Holy Spirit has to offer, well, then you'll truly understand what this relationship is all about. And there's nothing worse then Christians who say, I believe, I'm, I'm part of it, I'm a Jesus follower, but they've never got a chance to experience what Paul was talking about. And in case you're wondering, well, what was Paul talking about? He said, you want to know what it is? Let's check out Galatians chapter 5. If you got your Bibles, feel free to turn. If you don't, we're going to put it on the screen and make it easy for you. It simply says this. This is what Paul says about, he says, for the fruit of the Holy Spirit, in case you don't know what it is, in case you don't know what's in store for you, in case you don't know what he's trying to offer you, the third man is offering you love. Joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And then he says something I love. He said, against such things, there is no, what's the word? Say it again. He said, against such things, all that I'm offering you, there is no law. In a culture where we're surrounded by laws, rules, regulations, restrictions, what we cannot do, where we cannot go, what we cannot say and what we cannot think. He said, no, no, when you begin to experience the power, the might, the eternal power of, of the Holy Spirit, well, you'll begin to realize there is no law that can stop it. There is no restriction that can slow it down. There is no rule that can tell it not to move. No, when you begin to experience this Holy Spirit, it's unlike anything in circumstances that should defeat you, circumstances that should beat you all the way down, circumstances that should leave you with no hope, no joy, completely depressed, and in a situation where you're you're looking at her or she's looking at you and you're thinking, I want to do what I want to do, you're going to all of a sudden experience self-control. And they're thinking, what is this? And is there nothing worse than Christians who say, I'm a follower, but I'm depressed? Because it's real life. Christians who say, I mean, this bad situation happened to me and I just can't find my joy. I'm always struggling with anxiety. I'm always struggling with these self-control issues. And I'm saying I understand and there's disciplines and there's things that you need to continue to fight for. But do you understand it's also offered through the Holy Spirit that it will give you the strength, the discipline that you need to continue to find joy, find peace, surround yourself with the right people. And Paul said there's nothing worse than chasing after Jesus but never getting to experience the fruit 
It's similar to me going with my family. I went to, a, I took my family down to Disney World last year, and, and we, and it was, first off, it was way bigger than I thought. I thought it was like Six Flags. It's nothing like Six Flags. So I got there with my tickets. I knew nothing about a fast pass. If you've been, you know why that word is crucial. Those two words are game changers. Fast pass allows you to jump the lines that are four hours long. And all that just came back right there. It was blazing hot sun. We're standing in here waiting for four hours for this avatar ride at Animal Kingdom. It literally was 30 seconds after that four-hour wait. I said, I don't understand how this whole park works and why there's so many people here. But it was an absolutely incredible experience. And I said, so oftentimes, that's exactly what life is like. I mean, you're following after Jesus. You're doing all the work. You're waiting in the line. You're experiencing the hot sun. But it's like us getting to the front of that line, finally getting to the ride and saying, nope, and turning and walking away. And isn't that what it's like? To say I'm a follower of Jesus, I'm doing the work, I want to make sure that I'm chasing after and walking like him, but never get to experience any of these. That's why it breaks my heart. I'm not angry. No, there's no reason. There's no Christian that should ever make you feel guilty, that should ever chastise you for never experiencing the fruits of the Holy Spirit. That's ridiculous. There's no condemnation needed for that. But it, does, it is heartbreaking to say, gosh, you've never experienced the good stuff. I mean, you've got the relationship, but you never experienced the good stuff. And my hope as you're listening today, as we're going through this journey, I hope I can leave you with just three keys. And if you got your pencils, if you got your notebooks, if you got your iPhones or whatever, you open up your notes app, if you got a Droid or a Pixel, like over here, hey, whatever you might want to use, I don't know why you buy it, but you did, and God's still working through it. <laughs> you're going to get me later, I know. We're going to open it up, and we'll hopefully you go write down these three keys. Because my hope at the end of our short time together, and I wish we had more, but we just got a short time together before I hit the road and head on back to Atlanta, and you go ahead and go back out here and change Charlotte. But my goal is to say, hey, hopefully these three keys will allow you to experience all that there is in Christ Jesus, not just God, not just Jesus, but this wonderful Holy Spirit that is ready to interact with you right now, today, tomorrow, and for months to come. And so here's the first key that I love to start with. The first key that hopefully will begin us down the road of saying, I understand how the Holy Spirit works, and I understand how the Holy Spirit can work with me. And the first key is this. Our relationship with God requires our investment. It's crazy. In the first service, we were sitting in the green room, and they were talking about the fact that Charlotte is the new millennial capital. It's like all the places where the millennials are. I said, okay, there's so much conversation in that. I mean, there's so much stuff you could say about this many millennials in one place. But one thing I love about millennials is we really own that philosophy of we don't really do religion. We do relationships. Like, we don't like religion. We're about a relationship with Jesus only. Miss us with all that religion talk. That's what we like to say, which I absolutely love because I agree. You know, it is about this true relationship. But here's what's so interesting about that is that when I really truly talk about what a relationship with Jesus looks like, what a relationship with God looks like, it's easy for us just to say it and say, yeah, I got a relationship. But just the other day I was hanging out with some college students and we were talking about this simple philosophy and I was like, hey, find your friend in this room. And they were sitting beside him. I said, this is your best friend. They said, yeah, this is my best friend. I said, at what point did they become your best friend? I mean, how long did you know this person? And they were thinking, oh, I've known them for this many years. And I said, so for this many years, how many conversations have you had with this person for them to become your best friend? They said, oh gosh, we must have had countless conversations. I said, at what point in that journey did they become your best friend? Because at some point they went from somebody that you just met to somebody that now you can consider a friend to somebody that now you'd even consider a best friend, brother, or sister. At what point along that journey they say, well, I was going through a difficult time. I was going through a time where I wasn't quite sure of myself or maybe I didn't think I had it. And they were always there. They were always available. And they continued to pour into me, continued to love me. And that's why now I call them my BFF. And I said, that's absolutely beautiful. 
Let me tell you something. You talk to them more than you talk to God? And they did. Yeah. I said, oh. I said, do you know you're married too? And they said, oh, here's what's interesting. Because we're not just dealing with the best friend that God calls himself our best, his best friend. No, he is our best friend. But we're also married. Married people in the room say, hey. Oh, wow, come on, a lot of you here. If you only talk to your wife or your husband one day a week, would the marriage be strong? Yet so oftentimes, listen to me, so oftentimes people say, I have a real relationship with Jesus. We in a real relationship. This is a real marriage. How often do you talk to him? How often do you really listen to him? I'll probably about two times a week. Married people, twice a week. Is that a good marriage? Don't speak for five days. Talk two days. How often do you have to talk to the person that you're with? Every single day. I always tell people, there's a difference between hearing about God and hearing from God. Which leads us to our second, our second idea within this point. That yes, it's, it's you saying I'm willing to dedicate the time to talk to God in prayer and to say I'm going to stop what I'm doing my crazy life. Yes, we like to idolize this idea of busyness, but I'm going to carve out time maybe once in the day, maybe twice in a day, maybe ten times in a day if you're like me. You're just, I'm going to just set my alarm, set my phone to constantly stop me for 30 seconds and just have my moment, my quiet moment where I can just pray out to God, talk to God. But then there's that moment where you can open up the word. Because married people in the room understand that you begin to learn your partner through what? Communication. And without communication, well, we can't actually learn about each other. Until you open up and you share with me exactly what you're feeling, exactly what you're thinking, exactly what your wants and desires are, well, we're going to constantly have conflict. We're going to constantly not meet each other where we need to meet each other. And this is a real relationship, right? It's not a religion. It's a relationship. I understand that. But when we open up this Bible, well, it begins to speak to us. It's a living word is what it's called. And as we read it, as we talk to it, it begins to speak back to us. Now you're in a communication. Now you're in this relationship. People would say, I don't have time to read the Bible. The Bible, I just don't like it. I get bored. I fall asleep. I say, I understand that. But that's like saying you don't have time for the person you love. I don't have time to talk to you. I mean, I, I, I know I love you, but I never, I don't, I'm never going to have time to talk to you. I'm tired, and you put me to sleep. Ouch. Look, the laser room said, excuse me. And maybe that's what God is saying. Excuse me? You're never even going to try? I'm not going to try. I'm not going to try. Nah. And you're sitting here in this room, and you're saying, i got a real relationship, but I haven't taken the time to hear what they have to say to me, to hear what they want from me, to hear what they want for me. And he's saying, I want to talk to you. I want to be able to establish communication with you, but you got to stop. you got to talk to me, and then you got to listen through my word, and it's living, and I'll begin to speak to you in ways that maybe you've never experienced before. There's a difference between hearing about me, that's what's happening right now, and there's a difference between hearing from me, and that can only happen on your terms. When you're ready to say, I'm in this relationship, I'm ready to truly experience it and do all that I have to do. And it's in, that, in those moments that you can begin to feel God in a new way, that you begin to say, now I'm understanding what it's like to say that I have a faith of my own. 
And I'm not just coming to church and expecting everything to happen and say, hey, I'm in a relationship because I came on Sundays. No, now every single day I wake up in the morning and before I check my smartphone, before I start talking to whoever, no, I stop and I give thanks to God. I give gratitude in my heart and I say, hey, what would you have for me? Because I want to be able to experience you first in my morning and really be able to have this conversation with you. It's carving out a moment maybe after your lunch or when things go south to say, hey, what would you say to me in this moment? I want to have a conversation with you before I have a conversation with them because God, you know I can't stand them right now. I'm mad at them and I don't want to look at them, but I understand I'm married to you and you want more from me. You want more from me. So I need you right now. Speak to me. And he says, oh, now you're understanding what it's like to be in a relationship. You're not just married to your spouse. You're married to your heavenly father. You're not single. You're married to a heavenly father that wants a true relationship with you, who doesn't want to be shortchanged, who doesn't want to be cast aside and saying, I'm too busy to make time for you. Maybe the first thing we need to hear today as we're beginning to explore what the Holy Spirit can do with us is to say, you know what? I'm ready to dive all the way into this relationship, not make excuses anymore, but dive in. That's just point one. Key number two is this one right here. Faith is a verb. John Mayer said, love is a verb. I don't know if y'all heard that John Mayer song. I love it. Faith is the same way. It's something that says, hey, it's not just something I talk about, but it's something that I'm willing to do. It's action. It's really embracing the idea that we are the hands and feet of Jesus Christ, that we're placed on this planet to actually do something. It's so easy for us to want to tell God what we want to do, right? Well, like, here's what I want, here's what I want to do, God. I want to, I want to go ahead and I want, to, uh, I want to get this new house. I need you to go ahead and drop the price about $1,000. I'm looking at this dealership here. I want to go ahead and get this SUV. Go ahead and let the, the dealership know. And I want to get this promotion. Go ahead and let my boss give me favor. Amen. Let's go. Team, all team, let's go. That's how we want to talk to him, right? That's why I love this. I love this whole relationship. I love how it's working right now. Make sure you do your part. I'll do mine. Hey, team, go. Hey, on three. And God is saying, that's not how this works. That's not, that's not how this works at all. He said, no, 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 no. I have something that I'd love for you to do. Once, once you begin to listen to me, once you begin to talk to me, I need you to get ready to be my hands and feet. Well, I don't, I'm not trying to go there. Now, I told you where I'm trying to go. I'm trying to go here. I'm trying to go here in life, God. I'm trying to go all the way to the top. To the top. Hands up, up, down, up, down. All I do is win, God. And he says, do you? You're already losing. He says, no, I might not want you to go there. I might want you to go here. But that's out of my comfort zone. I've never experienced that before. I don't talk to people who talk like that. I don't walk with people who walk like that. <laughs> I don't even have time for people who even think like that. I'm not going to forgive that person. I'm not going to love that person. We have too many differences, too many things I just can't line up with. No, I'm not doing it. Oh, faith, faith is a verb. I understand that, but I'm still not doing it. Oh, but I got faith in Jesus and all that he can do for me. Oh, then you're using the word wrong. Because faith is a verb. And he said, I'm, I'm waiting for you to truly be in this relationship it's easy to say I love you, but it's a different thing to show it, right? To say I'm, really, I'm willing to do things that are outside of my comfort zone, maybe outside of the things that I'm used to, maybe even outside of the things that I want to do because I'm so in love with you. 
because I believe in this so much, I'm willing to do whatever it takes. And he's saying, I want that kind of relationship from you. I want that kind of faith in our relationship so that you're willing to say, okay, I understand that I got a game plan and God, you know, I'm goals oriented. I've already wrote it off, made a bullet list. I got to check it off. He said, I don't really care about your checklist. I want to make sure that you get my checklist. Okay, but God, can you get back to my checklist? I don't care about your checklist. I want to give you my checklist. Okay, okay, I'll, I'll check out your checklist. Okay, okay, I won't even, okay, what is your checklist? And he says, okay, now that you truly believe in it, I want you to begin to go where I want you to go. Where is that? Here. Okay. Okay. Then I'm going to need a little bit of strength. Take the fruit. In order to have that conversation, I'm going to need a little bit of joy because I got a lot of bitterness in my heart. Take the fruit. In order to be able to do that, I'll have to have a lot of endurance. Take the fruit. You got to give me some peace because I'm scared to have that conversation with my family member. They just hurt me so much. I'm not sure I can go there and do that right now. Do you have faith? I do. And go ahead. I'll give you some self-control. And you will have conversations and you will have moments with people that you will walk out the room and be like, who was I? How, how did that just happen? How did they respond to me like that? How did that whole conversation go down the way it did? And they'll say, because you had faith. And you put your faith into action the way it was supposed to be. And it's incredible when you see people who understand that to the fullest, whether they're young and they see, you see young people do incredible things within their schools or whether they're further along in life. I was literally hanging out with a guy named Bob Goff, and he's an author, and he's further along in life, well into his 60s. And I'm thinking, how are you someone that was a lawyer, but yet you decided to change everything about your life, and now you sit down with so many politicians as well as all these entertainers, and you do all these incredible things and inspire people. And he said, well, I caught a glimpse of a God who began to change everything about my life, and I realized what salvation was all about, and I put my faith in that, and I began to realized that I couldn't just talk about my faith, but I had to live out my faith every single day of the week. And I realized that the greatest gift I can give the world was my love and that love actually does because faith is a verb. And I began to live that out every single day, day in and day out. And I began to realize that it inspired others to love and do, uh, do things that they never have done before. And they began to change their families, friendships, and communities. And he said, who would have thought that it's simply with me making a choice that love does? And I'm looking at you in this room today and I'm saying, what if you embrace the same thing? Time spent, prayer, communication, and key number two, that my faith is a verb, and I got to start doing things that I haven't done before. I got to get out of my comfort zone, and I need to put this thing, this relationship into action. And maybe that's what you need to begin asking God, what do you have for me? Where do you want me to go? And God will say, oh, now. Now we're experiencing this in a whole different way. That's when God says, now I can talk to you but all that I have in store. That's the second key. And the third key is really, really awesome, one that I get really excited about, and it's this right here. The Holy Spirit is a wild goose waiting to be chased. I know that's a little bit weird. I kind of changed it at the last minute. If I think, wow, it was a little bit of a curveball. It's like poetic, cool. Reality is, as you oftentimes see in, in our cinematic uh, movies that we make of the Holy Spirit, we like to make it into a beautiful dove that comes flapping in slowly, like it did it actually in the bumper. There's like flapping, and it says, I'm the Holy Spirit. And we're like, oh, it's so beautiful. Drop some joy on me, Holy Spirit. Drop it. Oh, I feel it. I feel so wonderful. And what's incredible is as I began researching this idea of the Holy Spirit, I had to go back. And I don't just love reading the Bible, I like reading history about the Bible. And I began to research the ancient Celtic people, and they began talking about this, this Holy Spirit. And they didn't paint it as a dove. I said, well, you know, in America, we like to paint it as a beautiful dove. And they said, that's not how we talked about the Holy Spirit. The ancient Celtic Christians said, no, we consider it a wild goose. And we're like, okay, that's not quite as beautiful. A goose is like a little bit obnoxious. But when I began to research the goose, 
They say that the goose can smell humans more than any other animal on the planet. It can sense a human that far away. In fact, they said the ancient Romans would line the cities with geese so that if people were coming from a far distance, the geese would begin to call because they can smell the humans. And I began to realize what the ancient Celtic Christians began to see when they said the geese. They said, no, we're looking at a bird that literally can sense us before we can sense it. Ooh, that's when we begin to experience what this wild goose chase really looks like because we're chasing after something that already is chasing after us us, and we begin to realize that that duality is the beauty of Jesus Christ, that we can say, yes, it already sensed me, yet I'm chasing it. When you begin to look at the Holy Spirit, not as a dove that's flying over to drop some joy and blessing on you, but as the wild goose that's saying, I'm waiting to be chased, well, you begin to experience this in a whole different way, because you realize, yeah, you know what? You know what? Maybe I'm going to take some effort. Maybe it's going to take a little bit of an adventure. Maybe it's going to take some work, but I'm willing to do whatever it takes. And this is the mindset that God has that those first century Christians had as to why Christianity was so explosive all throughout their area. I'll do whatever it takes to make sure that the Holy Spirit works through me. I don't know much about geese. I'm sure you're already looking at me. You're thinking, listen, he's like a city boy. He's black. I understand black people don't typically handle nature great. But I had a chance to go to Montana last year, which I don't know why I went, but I decided to go for this retreat. And sure enough, I was hanging out with these Duck Dynasty guys. I don't know if you know them, but they're an interesting bunch. Love them. They're great friends now, but it took us a second to find our common ground. <laughs> so I'm sitting out there with them, and we're like in this boat, and we're going down the river, and they're like talking about this duck. And somehow they got me out of this wonderful cabin and into this sub-zero weather in the middle of this boat going down this ice-cold river. And I'm thinking, why am I in this boat? Why am I trying to duck hunt with these people that literally are professional duck hunters? I'm already hungry. They're tossing me a, bat, a cooler. I open the cooler. It's fried chicken. I'm like, why did you guys bring fried chicken? which I always want to change the food so they don't look bad because I promise they did not plan for it. They literally just picked up fried chicken that day. Then I'm like, do I want to eat fried chicken in front of these guys and fulfill every stereotype that they probably already think? I said, give me the leg. Give me the leg. Give me, I'm hungry right now. I said, oh, my gosh, it's good fried chicken. Give me two more legs. Oh, my gosh. Goodness gracious. I'm out here. What am I doing in Montana eating fried chicken in the boat with Duck Dynasty? Oh, my gosh. Jesus, why am I out here? Got me going places never would have expected. And that boat, make, that boat makes its way to the dock, and I'm trudging through waters and muck. And I'm like, okay, is, is it going to get in my suit? Just make sure it doesn't get in my suit because I'm wearing my J's. <laughs> I hate that I am the way I am. I'm the city boy through and through. And I'm walking through this area, and they're like, and they're all kind of, you know, we're cracking jokes by now. And the camaraderie's starting to be built, and I'm starting to trust them. They're starting to kind of, we're starting to, like, get along. I'm loving this moment. And then all of a sudden, they all stop. And they look around. And so I'm like, okay, what are we looking at? What are we looking at? And they kind of stop, and they... And they kind of said, this is it. This is the place. And I'm like, okay, why is it the place? Like, this is the place. I said, this is the place. This is the place. I don't know why it's the place, but this is the place. And they begin to put the duck decoys out. If you know anything about duck hunting, you got to put the decoys out. A lot of duck decoys. One of them even had flapping wings. So I was like, oh, that's a fancy one. Okay, got batteries. <laughs> they, I irritated them so bad. I said, oh, it's got batteries. Oh, my gosh. Is it a remote control? Oh, my, yeah, I, can, I, can I control my iPhone? So, like, they're out there, and we're waiting. And I'm like, okay, so... I looked, at, I looked at Jeff, and I said, so, so, how do you know this is the right place? And he said, we just know. I said, that was so good. You guys are so good at this. Step one, as I was thinking about this, it lines up perfectly what the Bible says. Be still. And what? Oh. 
I said, you got to know. I said, oh, y'all do this for real. And there's going to be moments where your friends and your family members are looking at you and they're like, what, what, what are you waiting? What, what, are you sure that this? Shh, shh, what, what? I just know how because I do this for real. I'm in this relationship for real. And then they begin to pull these little kazoos out. I don't know why I make the noise. <laughs> and I was like, oh my, I said, now what is, I said, now, now, now what are you doing there? He's like, well, this is a duck call. We make these. In fact, this is how we got rich. And so I said, oh my gosh, guys. They start calling out. And I'm like, why are you calling? They said, we, got, we keep calling because eventually they'll hear us and they keep calling and making these calls. And I said, okay. And I'm just waiting and they were waiting. And I'm like, step two, be still. No call out and they called and they called again and they called again I said do you think they're going to answer y'all keep calling but do you shh we know listen to me because sometimes you'll keep calling and it might even be your closest of friends look at you and say I think you should stop calling just I was that person I think we should stop calling and get back in the boat and go back to the cabin shh I think we should really get back in the I think the cabin is warm right now we're cold Shh. Call again. Call again. Wait. And then suddenly, whew, this from the distance, this little quack. And I did. Oh, oh. I said, oh my God. That was a duck. That was a duck. We've been out here for six hours, but that was a duck. So long. So cold. And all of a sudden, over the trees, these ducks come swooping down. I mean, it was so many ducks. Like, all of a sudden, they come swooping down, and they've already got their guns out loaded. I don't even know. My gun was literally still back in the bushes. So I'm like, oh, oh, and I never got a shot off. But here's the fact. They literally began shooting, and the ducks are literally flying, and then and the ducks are landing in the water, and they're trying to escape, and they're running away, and they got this little mangy dog, and this dog literally snaps to action, and he jumps right in the water, and he's running, and he's kind of swimming through the water trying to get to the duck, and the duck is trying to get away, and he's in this mad chase, and he's fighting the waves, and the duck is running and he's fighting and he's running running and he continues to fight the waves to find the duck makes his way all the way to the shore but the duck but the dog is literally right behind him and he grabs the duck carries him all the way back drops it at their feet they toss him a treat and the duck then dog literally looks at me like what did you do and I'm thinking like the dog was more efficient than I ever was what am I out here for and I began to think there's the last step because he's like, I'm ready for you to engage, to get all that I have for you. And are you ready to jump in this water, fight all the waves, and do whatever it takes to make your way to the Holy Spirit? He said, because if you truly embrace all the power that I have for you, you need to make the effort to get in this water and fight this fight to get all that you have in store for you. He said, this is not some dove that swoops over your head and drops you a couple piece pieces of joy. That's not what the Holy Spirit is like. He said, no, this is the wild goose chase. This is the greatest adventure of your life when you're saying I'm ready to not just walk in faith of my God, not just live in honor of the salvation given by the Son, but I am ready to engage in the greatest goose chase of my life to say there is a Holy Spirit that is waiting to interact with me day in and day out who is ready to offer me joy, who is ready to offer me peace, who is ready to offer me all the types of, of, of wisdom and self-control that I could ever even imagine. If I'm ready to engage with it, then it's waiting, calling back for me saying, are you ready to go on this adventure? And I'm ready to say yes I'm ready to chase after the wild goose I said maybe the ancient Celtics had it right and we like to make it pretty 
but they decided to keep it real. And if we're going to spend some time and talk about this, then let's talk about what it really is. Because some of you are calling out, and you're like, this is what I'm trying to do, God. This is where I want to go. Why aren't you listening? Hello? Come on. You calling with your Boost Mobile network? No hate on Boost Mobile. I, think, I don't even know about their network. Correct. You're breaking up. You're like, I think I heard you. I don't even know what you're saying to me. And I got to thinking in the first service, and it kind of happened, but I, I love what kind of happened there. I said, it's kind of like the Verizon. You remember the advertisement with the Verizon guy, and he had, like, the glasses before he betrayed Verizon and went to Sprint, and we all felt a little bit uncomfortable about that. I was oh, man, how you do that? But anyways, he used to always have this, he used to always have this, this phone, and what did he say? He said, can you hear me now? Ooh, y'all know it. Y'all watch some television. Good. And it didn't matter if he was in paradise on the beach. What did he say? He'd stop and say, can you hear me now? Good. Can you hear me now? Good. And then the next commercial, he'd flash up and he'd be literally in the darkest place, like in the valley, on the coldest mountaintop where you think there's no way he's going to hear from there. And he'd pick up the phone. What do he say? Can you hear me now? And what do you always say? Good. And there's a God who's saying, listen, there's going to be moments in your life when you're on the beach and it's paradise and everything, your life is going great and you're surrounded by your friends and you're all like, this is so awesome. And in that moment, you'll take a moment while you're surrounded and everybody's blowing the kazoos and everybody's dropping the balloons and popping the confetti and giving you high fives. And you'll be like, this is so great. And you'll say, hey, can you hear me now? Good. I'm so happy. I'm in this real relationship. I'm beginning to understand what it looks like to be filled up with your joy, to be filled up with your kindness, to be filled up with forgiveness. I'm now experiencing you in the greatest moment of my life. Thank you so much. This wild goose chase was worth it, and then you'll flip, and there'll be a couple months later where something horrible will happen, and maybe your job is lost, or somebody you care about, or everything in your life feels like it should be in shambles, and in that moment, when you're surrounded probably by the same friends who are looking at you saying, they're going to be broken, they're not going to have hope, they're not going to have what it takes, they're definitely going to be beaten down at this point, they might as well go ahead and call a tap out, we got to get over there right now, girl, and surround because we're not going to make it, they're going to walk in, and they're going to see you completely at peace as you look up to heaven, and you'll pick up your phone again, and they'll be sitting there with their Boost Mobile but she'll be sitting there with that Verizon and you'll say, can you hear me now? Good. Can you hear me now? And he'll be talking back to you. Good. Keep walking. How do I keep walking? I'm going to give you the strength. How do I keep talking? I'm going to give you the peace. How do I keep smiling? I'm going to give you the joy. How do I keep figuring this out? I'm going to give you the wisdom. How do I stop doing this? I'm going to give you the self-control. How do I be the best person I can by following after me every single day? This is not a dove flying over you, dropping it. This is you determining that I'm on the wildest goose chase of my life and I ain't stopping. I'm not going to let anything deter me. No rules, no regulations, no restrictions will keep me away from all that God has in store for me. This is the third man that's waiting to interact with you every day of the week, every hour, every minute. But he's looking at you and he's saying, are you ready to run? Are you ready to be in a true relationship? Are you ready to put your faith in action? Lastly, are you ready to go on the greatest chase of your life? And one day they'll look at you and they'll say, how do you have so much? All this fruit. And you'll begin to walk through people, talk to people. They'll say, thanks for letting take a little bit of fruit. Everything you say gives me like take a little bit of fruit. In my darkest moments, I'll take a little bit of fruit. How do you have so much fruit? I know where it comes from. Because I took some time at Freedom House. 
And we talked about how the Holy Spirit actually works and how it can begin to work through me as I begin to love others. That's why we have to talk about it. Mark Madison, I want to put this last quote up and then I want to pray for us. And I hope you remember Pastor Mark Madison said this so perfectly. He said, instead of following the Spirit, we invite the Spirit to follow us. Instead of serving God's purposes, we want Him to serve our purposes. If there's one thing I want to leave you with, is say, maybe that's the way I've looked at my Christianity this whole time. But today, I'm flipping it. Send me. I'll go. Where? Doesn't matter. Give me the faith, and I'll do it. What is it going to take? It's going to take a great chase. Okay. How far am I going to have to run? Pretty far. What's going to be at the end? Oh, you have no idea. Who am I going to be? Ha, oh, you have no idea. What am I going to be able to do? Oh, just you wait and see all that I have in store for you. That's what the third man is waiting to do for you and you and you. Let me pray for you. God, so many stories in these seats, so many people in different places along their journey. It's so easy for us to talk about God, to worship Jesus, but to oftentimes never stop and think about what the Holy Spirit is trying to say to us. God, we're done hearing about you. And we're ready to begin hearing from you through your Holy Spirit. And so God, for the men and women in this room, as they walk out these doors back into their homes, back into their communities, back to their jobs, I pray they can begin to say, this relationship I have is real. This marriage, I'm in it all the way now. And the faith that I have in him, well, it allows me to do things I never would have done before. It allows him to work through me in ways he never could have before. And lastly, I pray when they wake up tomorrow, their eyes are wild with excitement as they say, yeah, I've got a plan and a schedule for today, <laughs> but I'm leaving myself open for you to say something that maybe is not on my list yet. And I'm ready to chase after that goose right there. And it might be difficult. It might be somebody I was not ready to face, but I know that you must be giving me strength. And what's on the other side is something more beautiful than what I even have right now. And it's in your precious son, Jesus' name, that we say as a community of believers in our journey, amen. I love y'all.